I, I knew that I, I needed to do something life-changing. Um, so I sat in meditation and I got guided that I should spend 40 days and 40 nights in the desert walking to Uluru. Um, and I was supposed to take um, one comfort item, 200 Euro, $200, which was a lot for me, um, still is a lot for me, to be honest. Um, my passport, um, I think that was it. Anyway, as as I as as I realized this is what I needed to do, I looked on the horizon and there were a pod of dolphin um, jumping. And for me, again, uh, in the language that I've learned, uh, these kind of synchronicities are positive affirmations from the rest of the, the 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 natural world to say this is the right thing to do. <laughs> Why don't you just tell us where you are and what you're doing right now? We'll just start with that. Okay, so I'm in Tenerife in a barranco. I actually was in a hostel last night because I was too lazy to move my uh, sleeping equipment after it rained, and so I got quite wet. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to go to some caves this evening, which is going to be lovely. And I might go highlining. So. Yeah, climbing trees as well yesterday, courtesy of a uh, Tarzan movement inspiration, which was super nice. Yeah, yeah. And you've you've been camping out on and off for quite a long time, like yeah, what? more on than off. Yeah. Um. So, like, I slept in the the hostel last night, and I didn't sleep. I don't feel refreshed after sleeping inside or on a bed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been maybe probably like seven to nine years where I predominantly have slept outside. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. That's that's roughly the same time frame you've been barefoot as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, barefoot was... So when I was... I was born in Namibia and apparently one of the most difficult things for me to... Um, understand when I moved to the UK was wearing shoes mm -hmm. so the barefoot thing has always kind of been an underlying an underlying thing for me mm -hmm. um, but definitely I mean nine years ago maybe 2014 2013 2014 I started to sleep outside be barefoot spend most of my time outside um, and there have been like a like uh, like the end of last year I was going through some internal stuff and I spent a lot of time inside which was because I wasn't feeling very positive and then proceeded to make me feel not so very not so like not so good so yeah it's for my I don't know there's there's a there's a freedom there's a, an awareness that comes from living outside and being present with nature and the seasons and yeah being always immersed in nature you know we're, we're not limited by walls and restrictions in the same way that I mean, when I sleep inside, I am personally, and maybe it's different for others, but I would say it's not. <laughs> what uh, what what was like? What was behind that decision when you first said, "Okay, I'm done with the indoors and I'm heading out"? Like, it's just it's just been a natural process, you know. Like I remember, like my childhood memories. Uh, of safety uh, of going to the new forest which is where my dad lived and tracking adders and foraging mushrooms and 
So I've always had this like deep reverence for nature and this deep connection. And then when I moved, uh, my mum lived in like East Anglia and there was a huge, there's a grandmother oak tree or grandfather oak tree or whatever gender it decides to be at the time. Um, and whenever I had an issue or whenever I was feeling sad or happy, I would go to the oak tree and it would solve my problems. And for me, like I've always been able to talk with, like converse with, with nature and, and growing up in the UK, it was difficult because you're seen as crazy. And like one of, one of my like early memories is being told like, you know, don't be stupid. But it's taken me a long time to now discover the shamanic path and the nature-based way, which, is, which has been the tribal culture and the traditional culture for thousands of years. And, and that's just a nor normality. It's, you know, it's, it's our new age culture, which we've just forgotten how, how to commune and how to listen. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I feel like it's kind of, it, it, it always naturally was going to occur. I almost didn't have a choice in the matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so you you were you were born in namibia how how long were you there for uh only for my like early years and then okay. i moved to england when i was still very young okay. enough to not fully understand uk culture because mm -hmm. of the significant difference yeah. um but enough to then have my personality developed in in a culture that is 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 western or however you know however i want to call it yeah and did you go to yeah to sort of standard schooling or what, what was your childhood like so in namibia i went to pingu school which was apparently just a school of feral children being feral <laughs> and then in the uk i went to like the local schooling and like got yeah i had a I didn't have a really bad time. I think a lot of people struggle in the system. You know, the system is great for a very small select amount of people and the rest of people, it's, it's hard. Um, yeah. yeah, so it was one of those. I was luckily blessed with being intelligent, but didn't understand the system or particularly enjoy it. Um, yeah. 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 And so that was, that was like a... a significant transition for you learning to adapt to to those rules those regulations the way of being all that yeah i taught myself how to play the game like mm -hmm. i made friends with people because as i realized that as a, as a herd animal as a tribal animal i'm safer in groups did mm -hmm. i then maintain my friendships outside of school no my friends in school were my friends in school to keep me protected you know mm -hmm. i i taught myself a lot about how to fit in but witnessing it almost like I, I, almost like as a, sign, a scientist or something witnesses animals, they don't understand them because mm -hmm. they're trying to understand a language that they don't understand, but they're trying to replicate it. So mm -hmm. I, I taught myself for quite a lot, a long time how to look like I fit in, but fundamentally I didn't understand a lot of the basic uh, patterns of, of our culture or, yeah, this culture. Yeah. Yeah. And so then going going outside, going barefoot, all of that was sort of a return to that childhood state where you just felt more more yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it took it it took to me to go through quite a lot of darkness first. Like I um 
I I found partying and drugs, never heroin or anything, but I, you know, I used to I used to be out every day, all day from the age of like, I think it was probably about eleven or twelve until I moved to Senegal when I was 18 and I got given a second chance in life and yeah I remember coming back from Senegal and my mum having a conversation with me which was probably the toughest thing I've ever had to hear which was that for about seven years of my life she pretty much waited by the phone every night to to find out if the police had found my body not knowing if I was alive or dead like I was you know I'm very very grateful for that time because one it 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 um, allowed me to realize that, that the, there's so much more to life it also showed me multiple times uh, our physical reality is not the only reality but at the time I was trying to escape and I didn't have I didn't have a conversation I didn't have the language to understand what I was experiencing and I didn't mm. feel confident or comfortable enough to express to others who I was partying with that I had just popped outside of like reality or I had suddenly had these these shifts or I had met some you know entity from another realm or you know like time had moved or whatever um and it's only now that when I'm, I'm practicing you know I, I have a I, I practice in a very different way and I ensure that I practice in a much more respectful way because uh I want to I want to grow and learn from these experiences rather than escape which is what I did um, but it took me kind of to go extreme one way, move to Senegal and realize that I felt home in, in a culture that was different. You know, fundamentals of, of these cultures are there's just an underlying organicness to it, which which isn't in in a lot of the Western countries I've been to. Um, and then after coming back from Senegal, I felt like I had I, I had been given a second chance in life and, and I started to. Uh, give myself the freedom to actually start to become myself and start to, to realize what was important to me and and then because of that I was attracting people who were accepting of me being weird you know of me going for a run at 2am with no shoes at you know minus two or whatever and and that was fine um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so then okay so Namibia, a brief stint, or maybe not so brief stint in the UK, conforming, but rebelling in all kinds of ways. Then going out to Senegal, finding your center. And then yeah. from there, where do you go? Where did you go? So uh, so before I went to Senegal, I... Um, I always had wanted to meditate. I'd had a real, um, I don't know how, but I, I'd had this real uh, desire to meet the Bon people, the traditional animist culture from Tibet. I have no idea how I even knew about them. Mm. Um, and I discovered the Dalai Lama and one of his books, A Path to Happiness or something like this. And just before I moved to Senegal, I read this book repeatedly for like two months. And it was finally like somebody started to speak the language I understood, which was, you know, this path of like, chasing pleasure versus deep-seated happiness and and these kind of things so when I then moved to Senegal I discovered yoga and when I came back I um, met a community of people who do fire dancing and started to fire dance rather than go to the pub and like drink and stuff um, I started to get really into training uh, a lot of martial arts not good but I just enjoyed it um and I started to get more and more dedicated to yoga, meditation, um, and alternate states. 
are always from a pure space or, or smoking, never from using any kind of other medicines at that point. Hmm. Um, and then my friend who was actually teaching me at this point, he was sharing Ashtanga with me, invited me to go to India to train with his teacher. And about two weeks before I went, no, it was a month before I went, I put the invitation out to work with ayahuasca because I found out about um, this medicine. And again, it was obviously the right time because about two days later, I met a guy who was a, you know, held ceremonies and stuff. Um, and yeah, so I worked, I did my first ever ceremony with ayahuasca and it was the first time I'd ever stepped into the kind of ceremonial space working with medicines. Mm -hmm. um I also quit smoking weed which at that point you know I was like I smoked every day that was my like balance harmony uh, medicine mm -hmm. but again slightly unconsciously because it was a daily ritual which maybe wasn't so uh wasn't always done in so much gratitude and awareness like I put a lot of love into when I rolled but it wasn't always like as ceremonial as maybe I, I practice now um and then I went to Asia and I did the whole path of renunciation, turned to like ashrams and monasteries, did the whole like, <laughs> thinking I had to renounce the world to be spiritual. Mm -hmm. um, had quite a few challenging experiences where I was denied like in Sri Lanka, I was denied uh, <laughs> I was denied to go and practice with the um, monks in the hills, the forest monks, because I was a woman. Mm -hmm. um, I had some incredible experiences in Myanmar, um, but I fundamentally realized that I'd, I'd learned, I'd, I'd sought out shamanic practices before this, and I had been trained in the traditional shamanic journeying of a Mongolian tradition before I left, uh, before I left for Asia. And so... I was practicing like multicultural experiences. And then, and then I found out that in Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, all of these things, fundamentally, the religion itself states that humans are above the rest of nature. So it, I, I was taught in Hinduism that 50% positive, you come back as a human, 60% sin, you come back as an animal. Um, and one, anything that puts humans above the rest of nature to me fundamentally is flawed. And two, anything that makes us believe that life is sinful for me is fundamentally flawed. So I realized that even though I was getting a lot out of my practices, the fundamental philosophy or ruling thought process was void of what I actually have experienced mm. and so I started to go more and more into nature and at this point as well I was still you know I was sleeping out most of the time I was sleeping under trees where I could I spent a lot of time in Malaysia where I was being you know led into the forest by guidance and I, I, wor I was working with um, uh, a few guiding animals at that point and I would often find you know the grandfather or grandmother tree of that area and have the most profound experiences um and often I was just feeling like I was a messenger you know I was taking wisdom from one tree to another tree and that was basically my my journey for the day hmm. um yeah and that's I suppose when I started to realize 
might like realize that my language there is a language that speaks the language that I speak and yeah since then it's for me it's it's always been coming back to the path of nature the path of of communication with with the rest of energy that is human because humans are a part of it but for me like as a collective we we're very good at listening to each other's stories we're not so good at listening to the trees viewpoints or or our other brothers and sisters yeah yeah what is that maybe it can't be described very well in in standard english but to the degree that it can be what does that look like what is it what does it mean to take a message from from one tree to another tree <laughs> it depends on the, the tree like i remember once in vanuatu i like had this urge i was like this like primordial need to go hiking into the jungle so i set out and i found this amazing grandfather tree and like spent some time giving it love and just connecting and just feeling filled with love and then i'm like okay i have this purpose i need to go somewhere and so i spent the next i don't know maybe like a few hours walking deep into the jungle following these uh, i think they were probably wild boar tracks because they were quite big tracks and ended up at this other tree and as soon as i got to the other tree i realized that I was just, it just felt like I, I had, I was, I'd been given some energy and I just needed to take it to its, you know, its, its lover or its sibling or something. Mm. And as soon as I got to this other tree, uh, I felt like my purpose had been done. And I found that really amusing, you know, how as, as myself as a human, I, I think that I'm, you know, I think that there's a positive and negative to, you know, this capacity to manipulate my surroundings and I'd just be manipulated by something that can't even walk. Um, yeah. which I found, yeah, I found beautiful. Mm. Mm. Um, and other times it's more, it's more with a, a sense of purpose and a knowing. Um, but yeah, it depends, you know, it's like communicating with humans. We all have our different ways. We all have our different purposes and, and language, I suppose, for expression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I guess, I guess, I think many people at times feel, you know, the power of nature in one way or another, walk into a forest and feel calm, sitting by a river, maybe, I don't know, pensive or cleansed or, you know, who knows what. But I think for, for most people, it kind of, it just stops there. It's like, okay, that was nice. Now back to real life. You know, and, and it seems like you take the that much more seriously than than most people do. And it's it's sort of it seems like your life is sort of oriented around that seeking that connection mm. and and making it deeper you know and i i guess yeah so i guess i'm curious yeah. for you like what is it that that gives you the the certainty or enough certainty to to stick with this as sort of like the orienting force in your life Um, what I love about the way that I practice is it's direct experience. A story is a story, ultimately. It doesn't matter. But when you are open to receiving, and I mean, even in science, right, science is based on the fact that it's experiential. Mm-hmm. And so if you have something, an experience, you go, okay, it was just a one-off. And then you experience it again, okay, it's a one-off. You experience it three or four more times, you start going, okay, well, it was a bit of a coincidence. When things start happening so regularly, 
that you can't ignore them, this is when even as a scientific mind, you're supposed to acknowledge that that may be fundamentally something there. And I, I mean, I've been blessed that I have had people share stuff with me and I've also shared, you know, shamanic practices with others. And, and often I encourage people to work without medicine so that you can realize we can empower ourselves to realize we have the direct connection to, to source and to all of these energies without needing an assistance. You know, a friend is great, whether it's ayahuasca, cambo or whatever, but if, if we, if we, only think we can access these states through these medicines we're not empowering ourselves and i've i've directly witnessed other people who uh what i love most is the people who who are skeptical you know because mm -hmm. you, it's easy to kid a believer but with somebody who's you know um like i've got a friend who's a emergency medical doctor has been an emergency medical doctor for years completely not spiritual then he suddenly had the calling to drink ayahuasca. I met him a month after drinking ayahuasca and we went through a very deep initiation process in Scotland. Mm. And to see some of the things that happened to him that he wouldn't have believed had he not have experienced them directly. Like, it's beautiful to see. Mm -hmm. But the only way we can do that is by being open to allowing it we don't even have to be open because you know uh, especially like my experience when I was when I was transitioning from like being physically based to suddenly like realizing that maybe the physical reality isn't the only reality going like there's a huge amount of fear because you know you hear all these ghost stories you hear all these stories and you have no control and suddenly it's like oh shit you know what happens like I uh, my my whole basis of reality is suddenly crumbling around me which means my fundamental belief of of how I can and uh, how I can survive and be safe is suddenly crumbling and it's a huge process to go through but if you if you're open to even allowing that process like and you ask for it to come in a, a really positive way it often will and mm. Yeah, I can, I, you know, I can t tell you all I want about trees. Like, it means absolutely sweet nothing, you know? The only reason for me that I believe is because I've experienced it or I've directly met somebody who's had a direct experience and I've looked them in the eyes and I 100% trust what they say is true. For me, those are the only two reasons for me to believe anything. Direct experience or total trust in looking somebody physically in the eyes even through a screen it doesn't mean anything but looking somebody physically in the eyes and truly believing what they say mm -hmm. and that for me is the only way that we we ever ever can know anything you know and mm -hmm. and sometimes our knowledge as well it gets changed you know maybe one day i maybe one day i realize that trees don't talk you know it's mm -hmm. it's a possibility right now it's not probable for me but, you know, maybe in five years something happens and I, 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 I become atheist. I become, you know, I, you know that, that's a possibility. I have to be open to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that for most people is, is the major sticking point, right? Is that there is no culturally accepted explanation of how this could be working. And so the much easier explanation is, is just your imagination. Right. It's you yeah. know, some combination of wishful thinking and placebo effect and uh, you know whatever else. But but I guess 
I'd be interested, like, if you have any stories of like a time when you're like, okay, this this for me is is clearly not my imagination. Like, there's, I'm, you know, a time when you were you were maybe doubting, or or even when you weren't, and you just got a, a clear sign of some kind where for you it was it was unequivocal. Like, this is this is coming from something beyond what can be explained in the traditional sort of. I don't know, scientific uh, worldview. Yeah. I mean, I doubt every three days, you know, like, again, I'm somebody that we have a, we have a visitor, by the way, okay. this little, little kitty here, <laughs> giving us his magic, smelling my bag. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to remain true in a world that fundamentally 99.9% of the people I meet and the beings I connect with human wise uh, don't believe and yeah I, I doubt myself all the time and often I you know I'll go through days where I I try and be a human and living in a humanoid world in the way that society dictates it and after about one week I'm scratching at the walls in total depression or going absolutely crazy um, but and like there's so many things that have happened like physical things I remember when I first got shown uh, theta healing uh, and uh, I remember again my my one of my journeys is being able to stem my truth when I'm around people because I taught myself from a young age that I wasn't safe if I if I was myself so it's something that I'm still learning how to feel comfortable with you know sharing which is why for me this is such a big thing because I you know I don't share like mm. occasionally when somebody's already on their path then I'll open up but otherwise you know I don't I don't express all the things I've experienced be detained and put in a crazy house <laughs> um but I remember yeah once working with theta healing um and my cat had brought in a mouse and he had obviously severed the spine like the spine was like that Mm -hmm. And this poor mouse could only move its its front um, its front paws, and I sat and I I invited my guides and its guides to be there. And again, I had already been taught that um, you can't demand something to live if it doesn't desire to live. Like that's not your right as an entity. However, you yeah. can. Or my 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 journey has been to allow it to either experience passing over or um, full recovery instantly and so I sat and I held this mouse in my hand and I suddenly heard a loud pop and I, I witnessed something black leaving um, I know white coming down or a light coming down and black going into the earth and I opened my hand and the mouse ran away and you know that was a mouse that had broken its back and miraculously suddenly its back wasn't broken um with humans the amount of times we've done I've done journeys with people and you witness the same thing you know you're both going to these uh altered states of reality I call it spirit world um and this is where it's really beautiful where you know creativity our imagination is 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 the access to these realms. Everything that we see that humans have created came from this other place. And then we've manifested it into reality. You know, like the fact that you can, 
you can jump out of a plane and skydive. The fact that we can we can travel by car. This all came from an imagination and and a creative space. And this is our access to these other realms. Um, and the amount of times I've I've worked worked with people um, either through like training, like when I've been training, or um, working with others, where we will have uh, an exact journey where one of us will witness the other person in this altered state. Um, and then, you know, like, it's one thing to say, okay, well, I'm closing my eyes. I'm going into my imaginary place. Like my axis mundi is a tree, which is my, my entrance to this other realm. But nobody knows what that tree is unless I tell them. But if somebody then starts saying, I saw you at this tree and you were doing this and I was doing that, but I didn't tell them that. You, you start to question it. Mm -hmm. But again, this only comes through direct experience. You know, I can say all I want, but if you haven't directly experienced it and you haven't directly experienced it more than four or five times, you'll say either, yeah, it was just, you know, fantasy or, oh, it was, you know, a coincidence. And then after the fifth time, it's, it's less coincidental. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, yeah, there's so many things that have happened, you know, mm. in so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And you've, you've mentioned safety a number of times, feeling safe. And I'm curious, what does, what does safety have to do with this for you? How does that, how does that relate? Safety is something that is my process and journey at the moment. Um, within myself is finding safety in my own body, safety in my capacity to express my truth and consistently live it. Um, and with that is then the safety to, to be, yeah, to, to be true to yourself. Hmm. Um, and unfortunately I've had an experience where because I would presume I've had multiple experiences, but one in particular shook me, um, which is to do with, I think, because I, I come in a female form, I was physically challenged and it really shook me. So for me, it's one of my own personal journeys of, yeah, finding safety in, in my, my physical flesh, but also in, in the capacity to be able to express ourselves. And I feel like, in our society again and we habitually like it's a natural part of our it's a primordial part is to feel safe is to have fear and and then be safe you know it's our genetic coding is we want to live and we want to reproduce so these feelings of safety it come in many many subtle ways and in society now a lot of the feeling of safety is like feeling accepted because again we're tribal beings so if we're not if if we don't if we don't fit in and if we're not accepted by our, our community we inherently aren't safe if we are scrutinized and again if this isn't you know like a physical attack this can just be a judgment you know like I don't wear shoes and the amount of times I go into a city and like I'm fine 20 people can look at me and they can judge me it's fine it's fine but after the 50th the 100th person it gets you like and and it's I experience it because of because I suppose I I choose to experience or I choose to live in a I would say like a lot of people would say an extreme way. I, I would disagree. 
I think living in a city is quite extreme, but that's just what we're used to. Um, but if we, yeah, I see that we, a lot of, a lot of the time we're, we're too scared to step out of our norms and the norm of society, which means that we're limiting ourselves as an individual and as a collective to, to like our maximum potential. Mm-hmm. And the way we find safety is all different, but the fundamentals is, is feeling free and safe in our own bodies, freely and able to express ourselves in our truths. Um, yeah. To be not judged and to not be, yeah, not feel, feel like we are going to be attacked or hurt because of our viewpoints may be slightly different. Um, mm. And I feel that's a very important thing. But it's a, it, it, I know that it's for me. It's a personal journey right now for me. That's why I've probably brought it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it strikes me because the the way you you seem to be seeking safety in in nature often it seems like the majority of the time alone sleeping in nature. Um, I think for most people listening, that's not what first comes to mind when they think of safety. Right? It's probably the exact opposite of what first comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, trees, trees don't really hurt you that much unless you climb them. Yesterday I scratched myself up because I, I wasn't paying attention yeah. and I was trying to climb a tree, and, you know. Uh, bears or tigers or, you know, whatever, they generally, they only eat you if they're hungry or they attack you if they are feeling threatened. Like, most of nature, and I haven't experienced, you know, I haven't gone and lived in the, like I haven't been back to Namibia since since I was born, so or since I left. So like again, I'm I'm saying this, and I know that I have still a um, uh, I don't have full experience, but I nature, whether it's the weather or whether it's the animals, the rest of nature works with fundamental principles, and once you understand them and you work with them, generally you can remain safe or you're eaten for a reason. <laughs> Humans, we are a lot more difficult and a lot more uh, confused. Um, and therefore, it can be more challenging to understand, you know, well, are you, are you being honest? Am I, am I, am I being kind for the right reasons? Am I, am I, am I a threat? Am I, am I, um, yeah, going to cause harm for because my boss had a go at me four days ago and I still haven't processed that. So for me, that's why I find nature much more, much safer um, because I know my capacity as myself and I know that if I'm open and I'm listening to nature, then then I'm fine. Like last mm. night, I, I knew I should have moved because I knew it was going to rain and I knew the tree I was under was not, was not enough for the amount of rain I knew was coming. I didn't move. I got wet. <laughs> if I was in a city you know like maybe I meet somebody and I'm not quite sure and yeah like I don't know I've had much much more challenging experiences with humans than I've ever had in a natural capacity yeah. in the rest yeah. of nature humans of course are fundamentally nature yeah. So. yeah well maybe that's that's a good transition into this this rite of passage this experience you had in uh what was it in australia in the deserts of australia that's something yeah i'd really like to hear more about 
that experience and sort of what what led up to it and yeah if you can kind of walk us through be be really curious to hear more about that yeah okay so um I'd been led into doing kind of like, I'd say self-led or nature-led initiations into nature where I'd often go for, you know, three to five days, maybe seven days maximum, maybe 10 days maximum. And I'd normally go and I'd draw a circle in nature and I'd sit and I'd have wisdom and downloads come and stuff like this. Um, And I ended up being in New Zealand and I was in the top of, oh, a hill, I think near Tauranga. And I knew that I was, I, I knew that I, I needed to do something life-changing. Um, so I sat in meditation and I got guided that I should spend 40 days and 40 nights in the desert walking to Uluru. Um, and I was supposed to take um, one comfort item, 200 Euro, $200, which was a lot for me, um, still is a lot for me, to be honest, um, my passport. Um, I think that was it. Anyway, as, as I, as, as I realized this is what I needed to do, I looked on the horizon and there were a pod of dolphin, um, jumping. And for me, again, uh, in the language that I've learned, uh, these kind of synchronicities are positive affirmations from the rest of the, 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 the natural world to say, this is the right thing to do. So I left, I flew into, where did I, I think I flew into Adelaide and I gave myself a few days to hitchhike. Um, And after maybe two days, I realized that I'd actually end up in Uluru if I hitchhiked all the way. So I turned up with a camelback with about two and a half liters of water, um, a handful handful of sunflower seeds, uh, shorts atop. Um, I bought... Uh, some pink fluffy socks and I had a sarong which was kind of made from like uh, thin wool and I again like trusting the process I I hitchhiked one person they warned me of you know truckers and then I I immediately like took a ride of a trucker who warned me of this people then I got warned of crack crackheads and the last person I, I, one of the last people I, I um, hitched a ride with was actually a, um, he said that he was a fully, fully working crackhead. So he held down a job, but he just smoked crack in his spare time, which was, again, really nice to quickly remove these judgments of, you know, of society being warned, uh, like uh, burdened on me, um, in a sense. And he, he let me use his house for, for the evening. Um, and found out what I was going to do again I didn't tell people because I thought I would probably be arrested and put shut up um (laughs) and I looked up on google maps and it turned out that there was a train line um you have the east-west train line going across south um like Australia that way and then you have the north-south train line going across as well so I decided that I would follow the train line for most of the way um and yeah so I set out I started off in Woomera I think yeah it was Woomera which used to be a top secret military bunker facility uh, where I bought the pink fluffy socks and uh <laughs> kind of I mean I was obviously 
not uh, the usual person who passes the shops um, being, you know, barefoot with little to nothing and buying socks. And I can't remember what I asked them. Um, but anyway, the locals uh, with, with good cause for concern uh, called police and ambulance who arrived and <laughs> as soon as they arrived I knew that they were assessing my um my sanity uh so <laughs> yeah I very quickly was able to meander through you know making myself not sound like I just sat in meditation and was going to be going to the desert for 40 days and 40 nights to meet God because I knew that I would probably be arrested and never let out um yeah and I met a few other people who, again, just warned me, like, full of fear, with, again, with good respect, you know, you're going into the deserts, you know, if you're not from there, even if you are from there, these places are, are, are places of power and you have to go in with deep reverence and recognition that you may die, you know, like, I knew that. Um, I trusted, but I also had faith in the sense that it's like, if that's what's supposed to happen, then that's going to happen. Mm. Um, and I remember I just, I just finished talking with one guy who I, this, I was still walking like on the edge of the road at this point to get to the, the, um, the train track. And, um, I felt so depleted just because everyone had said like, you, you know, you're not going to make it, you're going to die. And I started to question my, my capacity, like to do anything. I'm like, okay, I'm, that's it. I'm, I'm done. And I'd, I'd been really wanting a cup of green tea. Um, <laughs> again, out of nowhere. And these are again, the synchronicities in life, um, out of nowhere and I just started on the train track I saw this big cloud of dust and this guy driving in a vehicle with I believe in miracles on his his bumper and he stopped and he was I think he was 85 or 87 years old or something and he stopped and he he kind of said like you know you look you look like an interesting soul what are you doing and I said oh you know I'm about to start walking and he said awesome I'm doing the same I'm driving along the north-south train track because it's something I wanted to do since I was a kid and he invited me to have a cup of green tea with him and if it wasn't for him I wouldn't have walked and yeah just these small these small moments where the universe gives you that 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 grain of sand and that grain of hope um and so yeah so I continued walking um and I followed the train track for about I think it was about a week um, and I'd really wanted the um, the acceptance from Aboriginals because, of course, you go and, I'm going walk about on their sacred land to one of their most sacred sites for the um, for the desert for the desert Aboriginals. And I ended up again meeting this um, Aboriginal family or community, and spent about I think it was three or four days with them. And before that, I had been walking for the first, maybe it was maybe it was two weeks, I don't know. For the first amount of time before I met them, I had been, I'd found myself a digging stick. Um, I had been walking, I had to walk 40 kilometres every single day. I had to walk 20 kilometres before about 10, 11 a.m. because then it got too hot. So I then had to, I would then hide and sleep under the wattle bushes until it, it got, cool out which was probably about three or so and then I would walk another 20k um, 
I was doing a lot of meditation. I was doing a lot of breath work. I was doing a lot of journeys. I was kind of in between realms at that point. Um, and I was, I chose not to manipulate my environment. So at night, um, I would draw a sacred circle. I would pray um, and I would ask my guiding beings, which at that point were mainly my jaguar and my wolf. And they would lie on top of me and I would, I would stay warm. And that was, so it was, it was winter. So it was maybe 27 in the day, but then it dropped to like, but in the South, it dropped to about like zero degrees minus one. Um, and yeah, it dropped, you know, over sunset, bang, it's suddenly 25 degrees colder. Um, and I was absolutely fine. Then I met this Aboriginal community and we started to talk about, um, they were, they called them whirlies, which are dens. And so for the rest of the walk, it was almost like I was being initiated. In, I was walking to my womanhood. That was my initiation. But it was almost like I was walking into the initiation of man as well, because I started with a really simple um a simple den where I just made myself like a little wind shelter. And then every week or so I would find a spot and I would, I would camp for a few days and I made more and more lavish um, shelters and yeah, just, just enjoying nature, you know, and enjoying that creativity. And I started to be open and inviting the wisdom of how to find water um, and yeah, looking for all of these uh, different different varieties in, in the bush colour and stuff, which kind of showed where water was would be. Um, and then shortly after, I met a, a guy who was he was half Aboriginal, half Thai, and I again I asked him, you know, this I think this is how I was would find water. Is this correct? And he he then affirmed, yeah, you would, and gave me some more information. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so, and I ended up taking. Sorry, go for it. No, just just to to make sure I understand. So through this time, at least when you're not staying with the Aboriginal family, you're still going off those two and a half liters of water, just the the clothes you had with you, and, and yeah. So for the first weeks, yeah, 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 for the first few weeks, and then I arrived. Where did I arrive to? I arrived to, I think, Tarkula. And I then met some people who, oh, it was just after Tarkula. I, again, I was warned, you know, the desert is not going to have anybody there. Like, you're going to be by yourself. You're going to die, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think I'd walked for a few days after Tarkula. Um, and... <laughs> some guys randomly turned up they were going to a um they were going to a uh uh, uh no a gambling place to play poker and they i i tried not to be seen and they very quickly saw me uh and <laughs> we chatted and they then decided they wanted to assist me in my journey and so for a few hundred kilometers they ended up actually dropping water to me hmm. um which was interesting because my initial plan had been to go and to do it by myself and what actually happened was so many people wanted to help me on my journey and it was a very very difficult thing for me because 
at the time, I didn't actually have the the knowledge and the wisdom or the trust to be able to do it alone. And I actually realize now that my biggest lesson, again, was this trusting in humans, you know, that, that I, I'm very good at being by myself and in, in, in solitude. I'm not so good at being with humans or I'm not so good at, at trusting like the goodness of, of humanity. Mm, I am good, but I'm not good in a way. Mm. And so, so for some of the journey, I, yeah, I was assisted with these guys. Um, and it really taught me the power of community and the power of, yeah, the power of kindness. Mm. They were, yeah, they, they, cause they, they saw me one day and, you know, I said, oh, I'm fine. And they came back the day after because they didn't think that my story kind of added up, which was true. You know, I didn't tell them what I was actually doing because, again, I was very uh, hesitant to tell anybody truly my intentions because I would have been detained. <laughs> so, yeah, so for the first few weeks, I lived off uh, two and a half litres of water. And I ate once every three days a handful of nuts and meditated. I did all my practices. And then the last few weeks, I I took I took a break as well for two weeks in, um, I think two weeks, 10 days, in an um, organic farm where I went and volunteered and looked after goats. Mm -hmm. And then I came back to the, the, the journey. Um, yeah. And the last few weeks, I think it was the last eight days, I decided I, I was guided my last four days uh, to walk and dry fast, um, which was the first time I'd ever actually dry fasted for any period of time. And uh, at this point, it was off of the train track and I was walking just kind of like along the desert, but it was kind of semi-parallel to the road, but I was always far enough away. So at no point could I see the road or hear the road. Mm -hmm. But I was, you know, if 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 things went, like not things went wrong, but I, I was aware that there's a road there again. You know, I wasn't, I was just walking off into the desert. Like I, I hadn't had that experience yet. Um, and then, yeah, the last four days decided, uh, I was guided to drive fast. So uh, I decided that I would walk at night because I was concerned that um, at this point it was getting hotter in the days and it was much, much colder at night. It was down to about minus four or minus five. Um, and I wanted to walk at night so that I could, um, out of fear, sustain my water because I'd never uh, dry fasted for four days and never in the desert. Um, and I, I think I walked the first night and it whined. And the second night, <laughs> there was a huge, it wasn't a thunderstorm, but all of the light from the stars and the moon suddenly was take, taken out by clouds. Mm. And it was absolutely pitch black. And I couldn't see, I couldn't even see six inches in front of me. And I remember I walked straight into a tree. Um, and so I had to stop and I made shelter. I just threw some grass over me because it was it was raining at this point and I waited out um and again for me it was a very clear guidance of you know if you're 
if you're going to do this, but you're still walking in fear, you're not having faith, then something's going to happen where you you have to walk in faith. And so for me, I, I decided to walk at night because I was scared of walking in the day because I, I didn't trust dry fasting or I didn't trust my capacity and, and spirit. And so these clouds came to ensure that I couldn't walk at night. Um, and I, yeah, I walked the last, the last four days I walked, uh, without, without food, without water. And I ended up in the Aboriginal community just, uh, close to Uluru. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was met by the family of the family who I had met at the beginning of my walk. And they had heard of me and what I was doing and invited me in for a day. Um, yeah, before I arrived at Uluru. Hmm. And yeah, it was actually the, the Valley of the Winds that I had my final initiation. And I, yeah, I got shown a lot about reality and I, I got shown, I would say, fundamental truths. Um, and yeah, it's something that I'm still learning to understand and embrace in my day-to-day -day life because sometimes wisdom is very powerful and is hard to understand and integrate um, and to apply. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 You'd say you learn fundamental truths about about yourself, about nature, about people, about what? So the thing I was shown, and again, this was like, when I get shown these experiences, it's a whole experience, you know, it's a knowing, it's using all of the five senses at the same time. So I walked down this valley of wind and I was shown that true enlightenment like the idea or the, the the concept of true enlightenment is having full awareness in every single cell of your body which means that at any point every single cell of our body is manifesting and creating our reality and therefore the reality of the all so for instance what like i what i wear now like my capacity to wear clothes is inhibiting me is 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 limiting me to truly experiencing life because i'm imprisoning myself in clothes especially if they're polyester especially if they're man-made fabrics you know i i'm dreaming this in i'm i'm creating this as the reality um the same i mean even look at my hair you know it's dyed hair <laughs> the same with what i eat um and just even on the physical, what I what I digest, what I bear witness to, what I experience, and this is every single cell in my body. So it's not just like what I experience here. It's every cell has consciousness and awareness and is there present to create and co-create reality as we know it. And so every single thing I touch and I bear witness into existence is affirming that story. So even when I walk on concrete, my feet are affirming that that's the story that I'm willing to create. So the more I walk on concrete, the more concrete is created. The more I witness a city, the more cities are created. The more I consume, um, even like, you know, broccoli from Aldi or something, which has been 
grown in a way that's unconscious with pesticides or even without pesticides you know it's been grown to be killed that's what i'm i'm manifesting and i'm i'm creating into existence more and more so the only the only pure and true way to change is to step out and and bear witness to something different and this is why for me it's really affirmed you know if i can i'll forage my food if i can i'll sleep outside if i can i'll be nude definitely barefoot I don't want to spend time in cities. I want I want to bear witness. And the same with thoughts as well, you know, like it's a physical, but also it's all of these energies. Like the fundamental principle is what I bear witness to in every single cell of my body is what is being created in my reality and therefore the existence of all. Because, you know, I'm just like a single cell in my arm, but but the collective human soul is like my body. And and yeah, to to truly understand that and to take responsibility is hard because it's so easy. You know, I like, like I just had a hot chocolate this morning. Like that hasn't been grown in love. That's, that's not an energy that's really actually like true to what I deeply desire to manifest, but I haven't had a hot chocolate in months. I haven't even had a hot drink in months, you know? So it's, yeah it's sometimes there there are paradoxes that we live in and find balance and peace with 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 knowing fundamentally how i desire to live but not living up to that is is hard to remain inspired without feeling guilty or shamed over not living to like the truth that i could really live to and and really living the 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 truest sense of who I desire to be but I'm cutting corners and and that's you know that takes a very long time to to come to terms with and then find ways that we can adapt and embrace and also share it because yeah I mean I even in the spiritual community you know enlightenment is is this this thing it's not a bodied thing it's not a you know like I've seen so many people chase enlightenment but then not really care about what they're consuming and not even being aware to you know that the the fairy liquid that they're putting on their plates which we're consuming because we're eating off plates or the you know um and, and myself you know I'm, I'm also saying that's what I can do so yeah yeah I, mean, yeah. I think the ideals by their nature are things we we struggle to live up to, you know, that's, that's part of the, the game, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, for these processes, like, I've done a lot by myself, and traditionally in most cultures, an initiation like a womanhood initiation or a coming of age initiation was normally, even if you went out, you'd often go out by yourself, but you'd be welcomed back by others who had experienced it which means the way that you can process and understand the lessons and the teachings that you've learned are coming from others who are learned in it and have wisdom to give. And I didn't have that. I went out by myself and I returned by myself, which meant that my, my learning process, my understanding process has taken a lot of time because I've had to teach myself coming from, this is how I understand it, and it's taken me a long time to go, well, actually, that's the lesson that you've, you've needed to learn. 
and having these yeah having no one to reflect to um which for me i realize is is a very important thing when we when we come to these events that actually it's important to have not just a community but a community of people who've directly experienced what you've experienced because otherwise mm -hmm. they can't share wisdom you know yeah 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 i come back to the the need for for community and the lack of of any kind of understanding or or even appreciation of this this way of being um in, in most of Western society. And yeah, there's there's small pockets I think where where it's kept alive, but, but they're very small. Very small. There seems to be a resurgence though. But I just hope that it happens in a way that Mm. Like, I remember I started yoga for uh, the asana yoga for maybe the wrong reasons because I wanted to feel good and look good. And that was a gateway for me to then understand the deeper wisdom. And I see that again with, you know, like now the thing is uh, plant medicine. But I see a lot of people who you know, they go straight to these plant medicines without any realization that they can access these states themselves. And the subtlety of accessing these states yourself is almost more powerful, you know, to be able to communicate with a tree just, just as you are now versus when you're working with psilocybin or something like these, these medicines are amazing friends and helpers only if we remain them as helpers rather than giving our power away. Otherwise, it can be the same industry, you know, it's the same. There's this, the, the same slavery in a way that we're giving our power away. And I just, I just really hope that we as individuals and collectively can rem remember how to do that. But what's also beautiful with these things is, you know, with ayahuasca is just the perfect example because, you know, it's, it's the thing at the moment, right? Mm. Um, but of course, you know, there's, the tribal beings, the, the wisdom keepers are still present. So there is still a way that we can communicate. And maybe in the Western world, you know, we're not born of the jungle. We're not born of that religion, not the religion, the, the, that wisdom. Like I can never truly understand what it is to be a shaman of the jungle because I have not been born and lived that truly. Mm -hmm. So my, my cells, every single cell in my body does not know that. It knows some of it, maybe if I was to go and spend, you know, six years or something, but it would never fully be the same. And that's beautiful because now, you know, we're in this culture where we we can take so much wisdom from all these other places. But I just feel like we have to be really careful that we we don't kind of greenwash it, you know? that we don't end up doing the same thing and just pretending that is something different. Mm. Um, and I, I'm saying that because that's something that I'm very present within myself of like, at least being aware about, about my choices as to why I do stuff and, and what I do stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm still on my journey. So I try not to judge others. But Yeah. Yeah. How would you, how would you describe 
doing the same thing? Like, what is that same thing? What do you mean? So you said, I, I hope we don't fall into doing the same thing. I hope we don't mm. greenwash it. Like, what, what exactly is that? So I see with the plant medicine community that I've witnessed from afar, there's a tendency to make it, and again, I would say within myself, it's been part of my journey, is to make it um, part of our personality, like which I see is is part of a natural progression. You know, I, I'm a I'm a this, and there, and and mm, my example. Uh, when I became a vegetarian, I became vegetarian when I was very very young, and then I became vegan. And I've watched a lot of people when they've just become vegans, they, they'll immediately be like, oh, I'm a vegan, you know, like veganism is really good, you know, like trying to, trying to tell everybody else about it because they're just yeah. new to it. So they're, they're, they're really inspired by it. And we personify it, you know, it's, it's then I'm this and this is, this is the best, which means everyone else is wrong in a way. It mm -hmm. often can relate to that, right? Um, and I see with, plant medicine and also the spiritual circles of yoga and stuff like this you see that it comes it can come with quite a lot of us and them again you know it's like i'm right and you're wrong or if you're not doing it this the right way then it's kind of my way or the highway like if you're not doing it my way then you're wrong um and i've directly experienced that i've been that person and i i really hope that i am transcending that space um to realize that fundamentally we are all spiritual beings. Fundamentally, we all have the power and the capacity to heal ourselves. Fundamentally, we are all connected. We just choose to forget. And having these, these practices, these tools or these friends, whether it's asanas or whether it's uh, working with plant uh, friends, um, we can work with them in a very conscious way without giving our power away. However, I do see that often we think that being a yogi is being spiritual or uh, taking psilocybin is the way to access source. And it is a way, but if I don't know how to access source myself, then it's just an addiction and it's just a, um, yeah, I'm, I'm using a substance rather than I'm utilizing a friend. Mm -hmm. Do you kind of yeah. get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the way I understand it has a lot to do with relationship to, to our identity, to our ego. You know, if we're using these things to sort of build ourselves up into something, it's probably not the best path. You know, it's much, mm -hmm. I see it much more as a way to integrate ourselves with you know, internally with the world around us, with the people around us. And if if all of these different practices can can help us to do that, then it seems like time and energy well spent, you know. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's precisely in the, the opposite direction of um, you know, giving ourselves a label or a title. It's it's about letting yeah. go of those things and, and just just letting ourselves be. Yeah, and it's it's yeah. a thing where when when you were speaking before, it seemed like I 
I find myself wishing you would take a similarly gentle approach with yourself. Um, yeah. Because you're, you're good at doing that with other people, but it's like, of course you don't live up to your ideal. Like that's, that's what an ideal is. That's the, <laughs> that's the whole point, you know? And it's okay. And it's not, not only is it okay, it's, it's absolutely necessary. You know, if you were consistently living up to your ideal, that would yeah. mean you'd need, you'd need a higher one. Um, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, yeah, the, your story in general, but I think specifically with this, this experience in the desert is really, it's really unique, you know, and it's something that I think when I asked you earlier, you know, what's, what's something that you've experienced that makes you think, okay, there's something else going on here beyond physical reality or, or standard interpretations of physical reality that to me of just, just even the first part of your journey, you know, I don't care if it's, it's a week or 10 days or two weeks, whatever. It's, it's a long time in the desert, walking when it's hot, sleeping when it's cold with very, very limited water. Like, I mean, I was, I was just this weekend, I was on a wilderness survival course with, with my son, but, but there's like ex like military people there, like special ops people, whatever. And they have all these things where, you know, you can, you can only survive three days without water. That's like scientific fact, you know, and mm. it, it's obviously not, but, but to me, the fact that you were able to keep yourself warm by in, invoking these spirits, you know, whatever, whatever was going on there, um, you know, in, in scientific terms, however, it gets explained. Like there's, there's obvious power in that visualization and, and feeling that these spirits are, are keeping you warm. There's obvious power in creating a ceremonial safe space for yourself in trusting in nature, trusting in your body's ability to, to meet the challenge that, that you set for it, you know? And that to me, I mean, regardless of, of whatever claims you want to make about the natural world or the supernatural world, to me, it's, it's always really nice to see someone who, who trusts in the process and, and is willing to, to experiment in that way. So and I just, I just want to say thank you for, for taking that journey and for for sharing it um, with me and well Pleasure. whoever else is listening, you know. But I think it's it's very rare, and it's it's especially rare to find someone who does that and then, you know, doesn't go around creating a method and selling books and going on TV and all <laughs> that stuff, you know. Just just doing it because because you're human and because why not, you know. And it's we've only got one life to live and might as well just go all in you know and i think that's that's really nice to see i really i really appreciate that it's not really a method you just turn up <laughs> yeah yeah well you, you turn up yeah. and you and you you stick with it you know i mean you, you had quite a few moments there of, of doubt and questioning and people trying to convince you not to do it and, and yeah. it takes it takes persistence yeah. it often yeah. is the case i often commit to things 85 to 90 percent is the last 10 percent i've done since since that initiation i've done minus last year i've done an initiation every year of some sorts and yeah it's always the last five to ten percent that's the most difficult yeah 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 but yeah i encourage everyone to do it you know you mm -hmm. don't have to 
you don't have to go for such big experiences to experience something, you know. Like, I just have a tendency to take things slightly more to the, uh, well, some people would say the extreme, because that's where I find myself. But I know enough people who, you know, they go out for a day and, and they have the most profound experience. Um, and they don't need to be there for six weeks. Um, yeah. It's just, again, being open to it and, and willing to willing to be wrong as well. I think that's mm. a big thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I think, I think listening to, well, you know, whether you want to frame it as listening to the spirit guides or listening to your body, to your innate intelligence, it's, it's not about cognitive understanding. It's not about formulas or theories. It's about tapping into something other than that um, and, and finding what's right for you. Right? Because for, for you, I mean, if you've, if you've been living at this point for six years, basically living outdoors, basically living barefoot, like it's quite a bit of preparation, right? Most people don't have that preparation, yeah. you know? So, so for them, like you say, it might, it might be a day. It might not even be a day. For some people, it might be yeah. an hour sitting in a forest, you know, and that might be yeah. transformational, you know? So it's, it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's not about, you know, how, how far can you take it? It's about listening to what you need to get outside of that, that realm of safety, of control, of understanding and, and sort of inviting ourselves to, to let go and to connect with mm something other than our analytical mind and something other than the that sort of impulse or that addiction to to understand everything and control everything and just just letting it go and letting it happen you know i think that's mm. that's where the magic is yeah 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 and then consistency after like something that i suppose has been not consistency mm has been my biggest lesson in a way has been application of what we learn because yeah. if I can, if I have an amazing initiation and then I, my experience has been, I chase then another one and another one and another one, I have no place to actually ground what I've learned. And then it's used it's useful wisdom. It's useful knowledge, useless knowledge, even unless we actually, have grounds to apply it and understand it. The integration process is almost more important than the initiation process. Yeah. Because we we go through these processes to integrate and to become a better version of ourselves. And if we don't honor that integration process, then we're just the tourists, you know? And I'm I'm saying that from personal experience where I used to, you know, journey all the time and ask for all these huge like changes and shifts in reality and all of this and I was just escaping reality so yeah the 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 integration process and and this consistency where you know like maybe you you only have time to go and sit under a tree for half an hour every week but if you do that every week for six months that's where you're more likely to find something than expecting a profound experience in one event and that is possible but the probability is that you're it's going to be more long lasting if you're consistent with it and allow integration time and allow that gentle process in the same way that the way I live my life has taken many years of a natural process 
to come around to the way I am and and that's more long lasting and more gentle as well definitely definitely yeah I mean the way I see it is it's almost like the experience can can open our eyes to what's possible or maybe it's you know the best version of ourselves or the highest truth we can conceive of or you know whatever it is it's some some sort of ideal and I see it as a sort of then it's it's our job to to approach that ideal as closely as we can. We're never going to be there. You can't live in a, a constant state of bliss. You can't fast indefinitely. Um, but it, it can awaken us up to to what's possible. But then the, the real work is figuring out, okay, how do I integrate this into my day-to-day? How do I get closer to this ideal? You know, and, and again, by yeah. definition, we're we're not going to be there. You know, if you're if you're fully enlightened, my understanding is like you you cease to exist in this in this realm you know um it's it's not yeah. it's not about a steady state you know it's it's about experiencing something deeply and then figuring out ways to to make that experience a bigger and bigger part of of our day to day as far as i can tell yeah that's and that's not yeah. That's, I think that's applicable in you know work with psychedelics. It's you know, any spiritual tradition will will tell you the same thing, you know. And in any community where people engage in this sort of depth of experience on a even on a semi regular basis, like that's that's the consensus, you know. Um, and then that gets it gets twisted around in popular media and whatever, and 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 by people who who claim that they're enlightened, and you know have all their their ego games trying to sell their products or whatever it is but <laughs> you know it's it, and it's i mean again like like you said it's there are many different paths to get there and i think even even the the charlatans can be can be great you know it's it, it, because it can get people in the door and the most important thing is to get started you know and you can start for egotistical reasons for reasons of vanity of self-hatred you know whatever it is but once you get in and you start sort of tasting it and feeling it like that's that's a big win that's a big win, and then yeah. it's a it's a lifelong process to to attune that and refine that, and you know, so as far as yeah. I can tell, that's what life's about is is engaging yeah. with with that material as deeply as possible. Yeah, and it's interesting as well, like how in our culture, you know, we've we seem to have lost the initiation processes or these, you know, these, these coming of age, yet we still seek it. So uh, an example is I've started learning highlining and, and my first two sessions on a line was more than two years of meditation in a monastery. I learned more about myself and my capacity to overcome my fear, my comfort zone and stuff. And, and these people who, you know, like whether it's an extreme sport or uh, um, like, for instance, our, our friend Vic, you know, with Tarzan movement, again, it's this, for me, there's, there's different like experiences that are all being led in a way by something deeper than ourselves where, yeah, we're seeking an initiation, whether that's standing up in a high line for the first time, whether that's climbing a tree for the first time or climbing higher in a tree than we wanted to. And the single point of focus, which again is meditation, right? This capacity to 
be present in the present moment and even when a fear or a, a thought comes through to allow that to, to pass and bring ourselves back and yeah this is again where I see spirituality has changed for me a huge amount where in myself you know I used to seek these extreme um or not extreme but you know I, I like did the whole meditation and monasteries and now I'm seeking it in a different way of how can I how can I truly embrace not just the human form but being human with with these new tech equipments you know and but for me it's still the same it's still this initiation process and speaking with others who are much more advanced in in the sport like again they've attained something they've attained something that I desire to attain and and that's that's a coming of age that's an initiation that's that's the same rites of passage that uh I mean our grandfathers and our grand um, grandmothers would have would have walked they're just doing it in a different way mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's beautiful how kind of we're coming back around in a way we're just finding different forms for this expression where you know some people will sit in ceremony and work with plant medicine and some people will base jump we're still we're still tasting that moment of feeling total totally alive and totally connected and that's through yeah often through facing our capacity to die whether that's a you know a spiritual death in that sense or whether that's an actual threat to life as I've, I've just recently made friends with some base jumpers and you know their base jumping is uh, quite threatening to one's personal survival <laughs> points yeah if not done well <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no i think I'm, I'm often drawn to to extremes as well um in, in a lot of different ways and I, and I think there's a lot of power there but I also think it's it's kind of like mm, it's kind of like spiritual kindergarten in a way. It's like it's really easy. You know? <laughs> um, it's like yeah, when you're when you're you know got twenty grams of mushrooms in you, or you've got you know you're jumping out of an airplane or whatever. It's like there is no escaping it. Like you are face to face with with your mortality and your smallness as a being, and it's like. Yeah. your your sense of reality will be shaken like there's no way around it and it yeah. and similar to this this process of integration we're talking about to me it's it's also a, a really interesting challenge to to seek similar levels of of awareness of like plenitude of being in mm. you know a blade of grass in washing the dishes and putting on the yeah. shirt, you know a jacket or taking a jacket off or you know whatever it is like there is potential magic in in every moment you know and and it takes a a lot of awareness to to be able to tap into that particularly you know in in my life when i have a son i have you know work to do and taxes to pay etc etc there's like what we consider to be normal life often often gets in the way and it's easy to get swept up in just sort of day-to-day duties mm. you know and, and forget that this this way of being is, is potentially available to us like basically 24 7 yeah yeah 
say that saying, isn't it? Before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Yeah. 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 Yeah, remaining childlike, huh? in a sense of seeing an ant and spending the next four hours knowing, truly knowing the ant. Mm. <laughs> well, I think that's that's a really nice place to to wind things up. I don't know if you have anything you wanna you wanna add. Um, yeah, any comments, questions, anything. No, I think just very grateful to have shared. I've shared a lot. I feel like I've spoken a lot more than I. Uh, maybe next time it would be nice to hear a story from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's that's kind of the yeah. the name of the game here. I'm I'm here to ask questions, and okay. I'm happy to share as well. But that was that. That's why I asked you to come on because I want to I want to hear your story and and hear your your perspective. And I I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's been beautiful. And talking about blades of grass and stuff, I just can hear the bees in the background. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great. Great. Okay. Well, let's leave it at that.